cyanide. You just cover her mouth with it and she'll be gone in minutes. You just, Will you pull up the the sound? Yeah, bro, I got you. I got you. Okay. Welcome back, y'all. Now to it's fuck. Sit on down a spell and welcome to a special sudden fried version of Heat Seeking Panther. My name is Dave, and this is my co-host Miles. Howdy. <laughs> and we we got a special returning guest now for y'all with Ashley Nagel. Ashley, say howdy to the folks. Oh, hi, y'all. <laughs> wow. That could have been sexier. I'm sorry. No, that no, was perfect. I mean, Not doing it justice, you know. Mine was sexy enough for... It was somehow... <laughs> Leaps and bounds better than Kelsey. Grammer's better than both. Accent, of them. So. <laughs> yeah, the only convincing accent on the thing. Um, uh, we're yeah, talking about a... 2019's Grand Isle. Thanks Grand for coming Isle. back, Ashley. What we an really Isle. appreciate it. I mean, any chance to watch a Nick Cage movie that I had never even heard about? Wait, so I you were saying that you were hanging out with your friend and you offered to keep hanging out and watch a Nick Cage movie, and then you sprung this one on her. Well, what was her take? <laughs> I mean, she was really amped for uh, Pig, which is what she thought we were going to watch. And I really pulled that rug out from under her. (laughs) Bait and switch. Um, A little bait and switch, you know. I guess, I guess, I hope my company was enough, but I highly doubt it because she hasn't texted me since she left my house. Oh, shit. Um, Which is another friendship ruined. (laughs) Yeah. By the filmography. Killed another one. Uh, You know, I think uh, for the bits and pieces that she, she clued in, she was like, all right, this is a movie. Um, it's got wow. a it's got a plot. There's a plot. There's actors who um, are in character. There's a lines. script. Yeah, there's a script. Um, I mean, we can talk about this later, but it seemed a little a little rushed. But uh... <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that seems like a fair descriptor. Well, they did actually run out of money. Did you did you no, read about wait, this? What? So they the last two days <laughs> of shooting, they actually had to cancel because they ran the budget out before oh then. i bet that that <laughs> explains the nature of the ending yeah yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Rush because Definitely. there's literally scenes missing from it <laughs> oh i did read that afterwards she and i of course went on like imdb and we're reading all the facts all this and she was the one that was like you know this movie didn't even really get finished and i was like what <laughs> What? If only we had the option to not finish it. As <laughs> no. Dave, who was texting us, being like, "What are you guys talking about? This movie is great." Yeah, yeah. This movie rules. This yeah. movie is I, like seven movies in a row. <laughs> this is like seven ten-minute movies in a row. I I feel like I got bait and switched by this one because I I like the on paper this all feels this all this could have been so good like it's just like a, a guilty pleasure um smorgasbord of you know like it, it just nicholas cage um another southern gothic movie he loves a southern gothic he loves them playing we have like a love triangle and uh you know, there's dirty secrets and sexy 
sex and all the things that should make uh, a, just a bad, trashy movie fun. And yet somehow this movie is just b- weirdly boring and then also offensive. <laughs> um, <laughs> it didn't satisfy any of the things I wanted it to satisfy. They did them all dirty. Every single yeah. person in this movie was done dirty. Yeah, I agree. I would just like to say that based off what you were saying, I did read one review that I wrote down that I think is perfect what you just said, which was a six out of 10, surprisingly. But he said, movie starts out right. After 20 to 30 minutes, it becomes quite good. After 40, it becomes interesting. And then around an an hour or so, it does a complete 180 and turns into a Nick Cage movie. (laughs) All of that, all of that is generous, except for it. Like this could have been more of a Nick Cage movie for me. Like he he gets some moments, but like, um, I mean, I appreciate that at least everybody seems to know that they're making like camp. um, But unfortunately the only person really adept at making camp is Nick Cage. <laughs> like everybody else can't quite. Oh, well, I got to give Katie, Katie Strickland. I don't know how you say her name, but um, the, the, his co-star, I got to give her credit for really knowing the tone of this movie and like leaning in. But really everything else about it was like, oh, Kelsey Grammer too. He's in this. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, how like dare you barely, forget though yeah how dare I know. you forget that accent though i was gonna say i wonder if he had more to do in like the parts they uh, yeah. cut out to like wrap his thing up because he He's was in just in two and out scenes yeah <laughs> um, i mean but the accent shit. steals that show though like his southern accent is wild yeah nobody can do a southern accent in this movie like i mean they're i guess a little better than mine was at the start but of this episode but like he at least he does like a foghorn leghorn it's like sideshow bob foghorn leghorn and it's <laughs> really delicious yes <laughs> like um and he gets some pretty fun lines too like that is <laughs> a really stupid part where after um buddy the, the other character has told all of his story to the, uh, kelsey Grammer, who is a police detective or whatever he's some policeman in, in you know interviewing him he tells him the whole fucking story and then he's like uh can i have my lawyer and can i get a phone call and he's like uh, you know, down here in Grand Isle, we don't cotton much to them big city ideas of lawyers and stuff. It's just like, what? It's <laughs> the 1980s in Louisiana. It's yeah, not- he's like, he's like, we'll say the power, the power ran out and you couldn't make a phone call. It's like, that's not what, it's not even... Like we're not we're not in like the 1900s here, you know what I mean? That was the other weird thing is he was wearing like the the weird like cream colored suit that he was wearing too. Well, why was this a period movie? Why was yeah. this in 1988? It had five different periods in one because the wife, uh, what was her name again? Fancy, Fa- right? Fancy is like from the 50s. Sure. Uh, yeah, we've got we've got Kelsey Grammer who's from. I don't know, the, the early the 1950s. 1950s. Yeah, <laughs> 1850s. And then we've got like Nick Cage, who's maybe rocking that 90s plaid. And then yeah. Buddy, who could, you could literally throw him into any decade. Like, sure. That man had no idea what time he was from. I Yeah. <laughs> like, also, if you're going to cast like a the person as your lead, make sure they're charismatic, at least. If I have to watch them on screen oh, for like an hour and a half, <laughs> make sure that I don't hate them. <laughs> I read some review that says that I mean it all that 
he he basically offers his performance up in sacrifice to Nick Cage and Katie Strickland's performances, which okay. I thought was pretty spot on. Yeah. I mean, all his character has to do mostly is react. Like he he doesn't like have much uh agency, like a weird lack of agency, which is mostly just due to this being a very badly plotted story. Um, but like, he, yeah, it, it's, it is fun. There's no reason to, once again, we have a movie with characters who are not really characters, let alone people. And, uh, they're, they're just kind of vague stock ideas of what characters would be. Um, and then, yeah, like, I mean, the, my big problem with this movie is that just every element of it was a cliche, like nothing. I mean, there, there's some like a couple like grotesque things or a couple like pretty fun things about it, but overall, like pr- every turn of phrase, every like reveal, just literally like every piece felt like it was borrowed from somewhere. Like there's nothing new here. I I wrote down uh, Tennessee Williams with a head injury. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Yes. I was trying to come up with. I was like, I was like, streetcar named Desire, but what? It, like a what's a shittier version of a streetcar? <laughs> but um, cat on a fucking thatch roof. I don't know. But yeah, it, it it's just it's just bad. It's it's just bad stock shit that seems to be put together by people who've never written a movie before. Which surprise, surprise it's written by two people who've never written a movie before and directed by someone who basically hasn't directed a movie before. So here we are again, um, <laughs> not n- usually Nick Cage works with first time directors who were, uh, stunt men or like camera ops uh, or stunt men. But, but this guy is a, uh, was a steady cam operator for like a bunch of really big movies and, uh, now is directing. Why I couldn't find any behind the scenes, no interviews with him or anybody. No, I nope. I know. I looked because I have to know. Like with a movie like this, Ashley, it's like you were saying where you you guys immediately had to have to pull up IMDb like as soon as the movie's over because you're just you want more information about like what is happening and why. And I couldn't find anything on it. And I'm I really want to know Cage's like uh motivation for choosing this role is it just because it's in new orleans and he like loves yeah, he can't like, fucking resist he i think that had resist. to be part of it i mean the the guy who directed it did work a lot with clint eastwood i was like does nick cage love right. clint eastwood does he Probably. want that like one degree of separation from that yeah the director uh what's his name stephen campanelli yeah he's like clint eastwood's go-to steady cam op I mean, this had this movie had weird blue lives matter overtones, like a lot of Clint Eastwood stuff too. So I, I don't know, <laughs> like there's probably some crossover this, there. <laughs> this movie didn't know what it was trying to say about the military, but it it had something to say about the military. Something it definitely was trying. Yeah, Cage gets t- two like big speeches about the evils of the military industrial complex, but like deliver but they're being delivered by his character so i don't know what that's supposed to tell us i think this movie's actually at its heart about um the way society like casts aside uh vets who come home with like ptsd or they have like trouble like you know reacclimating like that's what happens that's that's really what this movie's about 
then he they start chaining teens in the can't... basement and forcing yeah. them to have babies, right? That's oh, being God. unable to fuck <laughs> There's your wife. the reveal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but the, the last line, the very last line of that very rushed outro is, uh, we think we know our neighbors. Maybe we don't. <laughs> Which I was like, is that the message? Like, so it's also <laughs> anti-human trafficking as well, right? <laughs> is it also anti-Girl Scouts? Because Apparently. that's a, you know... Oh. oh God, dude! Um, yeah, let's. Well, we'll get into the ending because that is a that's a whole mess of booyah boss that uh, <laughs> we can uh, needs its own discussion. But like, um, let's start at the start, which uh, uh, four production companies I've never heard of, which is not a good sign with a movie like this. Plus. Saturn, <laughs> it's another Saturn film, Nick Cage's uh, production company, which is at this point maybe. Oh, I know, dude. Sign. I noticed every time <laughs> the stinger hits, I'm like, it's a Saturn film. It's ominous. Of course. Ominous to start. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like fart butt productions, nobody productions, a uh, uh, UXBO film, Saturn productions. You're like, uh oh. <laughs> so everybody said no except Saturn. And and yeah, so we're in 1988 for uh, no reason. It, it it comes. It doesn't even come into play in any of the like basic elements of the film. Like there's no. It's not like they these characters can't have a cell phone or something like that. Like it doesn't play in in, in any way. Um, and they don't. It doesn't look like it either. It looks like now. I mean, it doesn't even tell you it's 1988 till the second scene. So I actually thought the first scene was in the 50s with the Girl Scouts, and then we flashed forward to the 80s. I was wrong, by oh. the way. Very wrong. It was all in the 1980s. It was all in 1980s. And, well, also, like, I mean, the first scene, we get uh, her, Katie Strickland, like, buying Girl Scout cookies and uh, being overly affectionate with the Girl Scouts. And then we get a burglar breaking into their house and... Cage shooting him full of lead and he like collapses into their white picket fence uh, white picket fence uh, we think we know our neighbors but what's behind that white picket fence right um, <laughs> more than that though he was the ham burglar like that man was wearing dude, stripes he, to a black robbery black and white stripes and what like a fencing helmet what yeah, like, was that's that that's not how you go incognito to steal something he might he might as well have said "rubble rubble" and had like a big bag with a dollar sign on it that he was putting <laughs> stuff in. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's Ugh. not subtle. Um, <laughs> but I mean, my point is that we see Cage like shoot him in the back with like a six shooter, and he collapses into the fence. And then we cut to Buddy. This uh, actor's name is Luke Benward. Um, I'm just gonna call him Buddy. And he's being interrogated by Kelsey Grammer, and he's all bloody. And I assumed, I did not know that that was a flash forward. I thought that he was the robber. Yeah, me too. Uh, until like two or three scenes later when he goes to fi mm -hmm. <laughs> fix the fence. Yeah, this, this movie loves that. It, it thinks it's being clever with the like flashback storytelling thing and it just is just makes it so unnecessarily confusing for so much of the first part of the movie <laughs> totally oh yeah i thought i just wasn't paying close attention but i was 
both. It was both. Yeah. Well, but this is a common problem we've run into with a lot of these movies that he's done is that there's just you spend so long at the beginning of the movie trying to like piece together the people and the world that you actually end up like missing out yeah. on like certain things <laughs> the, that would actually give you that information. Yeah, it's like, the things that the the movie thinks are important that it's it's telling you, but not realizing that it has failed to like give you any ground to stand on or reason to care about those things. Anyway, so he goes to fix. Oh wait, <laughs> what's the whole thing with the wife? At the oh, beginning, yeah. also, what, what is her fucking thing? Listen, she she's just the caricature of the naggy new like new wife with a new baby, right? Where she's like, "You're not making enough yes. money. You're not home enough. I don't want to have sex with you. This <laughs> vagina is closed and may never open again." Dude, that's that's all. Those three sentiments are her whole character, and then yeah. and then when he goes to jail or it has threatened to go to jail for like a crime that he didn't commit. She doesn't believe she doesn't seem to believe him or care in any way. She's just like, like he gets out of jail and she's like, then she leaves him. She's like, no, I'm going to my sisters. That's her whole character. Her whole thing is like, that was such a, like you were literally just put through hell, but guess what? You also cheated on me. Yeah. This is like, that is the worst. Like you could have murdered someone and that's fine. But you cheated on me, and that's worse than murdering someone. So, like, this is done. She doesn't even know that he did. Yeah, I mean, it's like, because they they put it forward, like, Fancy said that they had sex, and he doesn't even, like, she believes that other woman over, it's just, she is not a fleshed out character. She's just a caricature of uh, the naggy wife, and that's all we get. But we do get an introduction to Nick Cage's character that is pretty fun. He is an ex-Marine. He likes smoking cigars. He likes drinking beers. He likes... uh, Being drunk all day. Yeah. He wears, like, really ugly (laughs) button-ups. He also enjoys not having sex. It's like either... It's one or the other in this movie. Either you love having sex... love sex. Or you you hate it. Yes. Yeah. You either need it or you're like, never again in my life will I perform intercourse yes an adult movie about how humans interact clearly yeah it's it's either one or the other i don't know which camp you guys are in but i'm in the definitely in the never ever never, having ever, intercourse ever. no ever, i'm still a ever. virgin i've never had it yeah no i'm over it i i did it <laughs> saw what it was about and frankly take it or leave it <laughs> but the other thing i want to say about cage oh he wears his aviators indoors a lot um, yeah he's got i love a beard. it uh, he looks a lot like Cameron Poe from Con Air, but just like gone to seed. Like, yes. Just, like, I noticed that too. Yeah, Honestly, too. his whole ensemble in this movie is, it hits that like sweet spot between like grunge, like grungy. Uh, I'm trying to think like he, like he looks like someone's uncle that like used to play in a rock band in like the nineties <laughs> or something. You know what he I is. mean? He, I don't know. It's weird. He's like greasy and like fat kind of. And like, yeah, well, like, those, those got, like, button weird ups are facial like, hair. Like, <laughs> the button-ups are, like, too tight, so they kind of, like, pinch around his body in a way that just, he looks like he's, like, busting out of them. And, yeah, he just looks kind of wet all the time. <laughs> oh, so wet. He's just <laughs> dripping. But it's also, he he has no redeeming qualities, and yet, no. and we'll get to her, but, like, has this banging hot wife. Yeah. It, right off the bat, you're like, one plus one does not equal two in this <laughs> Something's situation. Something's up here. They've known each other forever. What, she was a jazz singer in 
New Orleans. Yeah. And he fought in Vietnam. That was a trip. I totally forgot it was, again, a period movie. And then it was like, he's talking about being in Vietnam and seeing Nick Cage at this age, looking like it's 2019, talking about the hell of Vietnam was like, I was just not buying it. Okay, well, that's that's why it's a period piece. We just figured it all out. Oh, they were like, there's non- no other wars but Vietnam War. Yeah. There hasn't been another war that was bad. Um. It's, uh, well, let's talk about her introduction because um, she, like I said, she really holds her own in this. She comes down the stairs of their big stately mansion in like a nighty singing. God, what was she singing? Oh, they can't take that away from me. And just also she clearly can't really sing, which is even better that she they met when she was a jazz singer. Yeah, and, and then it's like she sings that whole song and comes up to him and says, happy anniversary, baby, and then slaps him across the face because, <laughs> once again, typical husband, he forgot that it was their anniversary. I was into that scene. I was into every single second of that scene. She's There's fun. a part of me that was like, yeah, I mean, I think she was my favorite character in this whole movie. Yeah, but... by far. She was the most fun to watch. She was yeah. She was really leading into like the the like uh, erotic thriller energy of the whole thing of like the, totally. the the part of the uh of that part of the script which is weird because it was almost like borderline like thriller horror until the like wraparound story like yeah here, again kind of but that whole like the first two thirds where they're in the house and it's like the hurricane outside it's it's creepy it's it does a bad job but i can see yeah. like the creepy vibes it's going for and yeah, that's why i, I mean, think it's weird that it pivoted so hard into like a cop drama <laughs> as soon as like kelsey Grammer hits the screen <laughs> yeah yeah if this had been made in the early 90s like you know it's it's got that like uh fatal attraction hand that rocks the cradle kind of energy like it it probably would have like, people knew how to make an erotic thriller back then. I don't think they know how to do it now. These people no. certainly don't. I kept waiting for that, like, Wild Things twist, you know? Yeah. The, I, did, I did not get the twist I wanted. God. Um, there were three twists, and none of them were the one I wanted. I wanted a lot of things, yeah. I mean, I mostly just wanted this to devolve into a porno, because I also got that vibe. And I was like, when are they all just going to fuck each other? And that's the end. Yeah. I just want to watch this end in an orgy. The wife walk in and be like, well, now I'm ready for this. And she jumps in, and it's just, yeah, that's it. And Kelsey Gray was watching, just jerking it in the corner. Like, I don't know. (laughs) That's all I wanted. I say, I say, I do declare. (laughs) I do, I do declare. This is some good sex. Mopping his head with like a big (laughs) handkerchief. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, if Cage had like taken him into the attic and then just started sucking his dick, (laughs) it's like, want to see my gun cabinet? Yeah, it would have been a way ballsier movie. So I, I guess just to like just to race through the plot because it's not worth laboring over. Um, it, it, yeah, so he Buddy goes to fix the fence of this couple. Cage is being weirdly hostile to him in a way that is never really explained. Um, like none of the reveals explain why he would be such a fucking psycho, but uh, he is, and um, she is. Meanwhile, Katie Strickland is being extremely horny to him. He's supposed to fix the fence before the storm comes. There's a storm coming because it's that kind of movie. And uh, he doesn't. 
Cage refuses to pay him the amount of money that uh, he had offered if he finished it that day. And his truck doesn't work. Um, did one of them uh, make his truck not work? Was it part of their plan? Um, to what degree are they working together in, at any point or on any side? All of these things are not explained. But uh, he gets stuck there, and they have a very intense and sexually charged dinner. And uh, I wish I had made a mint julep for this yeah. podcast. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> of course they drink a mint julep. Just sipping mint juleps. Yeah, um, that dinner scene was, I guess, kind of fun. I mean, th- this this was my favorite part of the movie. Like once, at least it felt like stuff was about to, something was about to pop off. Like like you said, before I, we got the reveals that we got, and uh, I was hoping for reveals that were more fun. I, I like him being forced to eat dinner with these people and uh, them just be extremely weird to him. Yeah, it was like, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf or something? for like Right, the, right. Um, except... <laughs> Yeah, bad. <laughs> except uh, bad, except the bad version of it. Um. Yeah, yeah. This movie, it's it's like uh, it's like Cat on a Hot tw- Tin Roof meets uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf meets The People Under the Stairs <laughs> meets oh, yeah. uh, I I don't know um, the, the General's Daughter meets it, it Pink Flamingos meets uh, but it's as bad as. It's not as good as any of those movies. Like, it's not even in the same league as a movie like Pink Flamingos, which is obviously a trash masterpiece, or The People Under the Stairs, which is like a better-than-average horror movie. Like, this is is not even in the same galaxy. And no. yet it, it's just stealing all the easiest stuff from those movies without realizing what gives those things any weight or at least makes them fun. So he has, they have a sexy uh, dinner that's charged with the threats of violence and uh, threats of sexy violence. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I should say that that's, that scene with um, before he even becomes caught in their little web where, you know, she says happy anniversary and once again he forgot her anniversary. And then she says, like, She's like, uh, you can't do anything a man is supposed to do. You can't paint a house or mow the lawn or make love to me. I don't know why I wanted to highlight that. I guess that was just like the flag, the first flag where I was like, oh, God, this is feels like a first draft of <laughs> a movie <laughs> that uh, based on people seeing other movies and being like, this is a thing someone would say in a movie. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, like all, all the dialogue was like so overly written. It was like such a written script, but without yeah. actually having any like pleasure or like rhythm to any of the. Yeah. Yeah. And, and have it. Yeah. That having no new ideas, no reason for these things to be written, except just like, I'm going to write a movie. No <laughs> heart, no nothing. I mean, even in like the dinner scene, it's like such stereotypical dialogue. I, I think I think I love that part where the wife gets up to make the mint julep. She's still in the room. Like the kitchen and the table are in the same room. Yeah. And Nick Cage is like, well, now that it's just the two of us, yeah. do you like oh getting God. your cock sucked? Dude, do you that- want to fuck my wife? <laughs> that was the probably the, the best moment of the movie for me. And just in terms of like his performance, holy shit. He, he goes, when was the last time you had your... um? cock uh, sucked that was <laughs> and it. then he goes he goes that long egads like 
really, really just mm, delicious. And then I the mean, other red scene... like a man who hates sex, right? No, yeah. No, not, 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 oh, no, gross dicks. <laughs> and then the, the other scene where Cage brings him to his like man cave in the attic, too. Like yeah. that, man that was a. That scene was, I think, my favorite one because Cage yeah. was just Cage was just leaning into it. Like that was that was full. I feel like that was the most, <laughs> with the exception of the final standoff. That scene was like that gave me the kind of Cage dopamine like performance hit that I want. <laughs> yeah. That that like yes. the whole rest of the movie was like threatening to give me, but that's the only time it actually delivered it. I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, and his speeches about the military industrial complex but there and at the ending are the <laughs> right? only speeches in the movie that i mean the, it is it, he's not saying anything um that isn't cliche in those two but just the fact that those were in there i really felt the screenwriters trying to do something or say something i don't know what they were trying to say because again it's coming from this character as sort of like justification for being a bad person but it was still like wait is this a criticism of like what is this yeah i i liked that scene um <laughs> and and that it should be said this is like an hour into the film like this shit takes for so long before this scene where cage now it's strangers on a train he, he offers him twenty thousand dollars to kill his wife <laughs> Oh, and the way he tells him to kill her. I, I hope someone wrote this down word for word. I fortunately did not. But he's like, you take the cyanide and you put it on the napkin and you, you just put it over her face. And she, I I almost I was trying to find a soundbite of it right before this. I took a video of that. Scene. Yes. Let me, thank yeah. you. Because <laughs> it's like if I want to have Nick Cage tell me how to kill everyone, because it was a perfect <laughs> description with so much in it, like behind every single word that I was like, man, tell me, tell me how to stab someone now. Can, can you put cyanide onto a cloth and put it over someone's mouth? Cyanide. I thought that was, ooh. You just cover her mouth with it and she'll be gone in minutes. You just, <laughs> That was it. He does the facial of it. Yeah, he like, he like puts it to his mouth and inhales it like, ah. <laughs> Uh, then we have so is he gonna kill the wife you know at this point who cares we this none of this shit matters i was already checked way out but let's let's see what happens at least shit is is happening <laughs> and not just threatening to happen so he comes on her and she's taking a bath just vibing with billy holiday's strange fruit which i you know, I, I guess, I mean, that's a very unsettling song by design, but I don't think they're using it <laughs> correctly if there's such a thing. Well, then she also a, explains to him, like, the meaning of the song. Yeah, she's like, you ever heard of this one? Yeah. And and she has to point out that it was written by a white man, which is extremely weird. Like, <laughs> but again, also, I, no one cared in the 80s, so I'm not going to lie. Like, that, that took me out of the time period. I was like, no one yeah. in the 80s would have said that, to be honest. Oh, yeah, interesting, yeah. Good, that's a great point. But I, I feel like he, so they were just like, what's the creepiest Southern song I can think of? It's like that, yeah, but that's not, that's not, yeah, anyway. Um, it, it's funny that she's having like, you know, she's having a bubble bath just listening to that. As with any interchange between her and him, she's like 
well, come in, you know, sit down if you're going to stay. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, shit. I do want to point out the previous scene between them was when she gives him a tour of the house, which I felt like I was watching somebody like either like groom a child or like try, they're trying to hit on just the most clueless person ever, even though he's, I think he's supposed to realize what's happening, but she's like, let me give you a tour of the house while my husband passes out drunk. Um, Hey, come, come sit on my bed while I slip into something more comfortable and goes behind one of those screens and is like throwing her clothes over the side. And it's just, and he, the whole time he's just like, go, go, gosh, I should really get home. Yeah, it was it was just a bunch of scenarios of her being sexy and horny, giving him an excuse to like gulp a bunch of times and like yeah. try to get out of the room. The way she's being horny is like a porn or like a cartoon. Like it's just like so. Once again, it's oh, like yeah. some. It, I have have these people had sex? Have they had? It just feels like you know. I don't. I I know that's not the truth. Of course they have, but it's just like they watched a movie once. They've watched some movies and were like, I can write a movie. This well, is yeah, a movie. it's like. It's like someone that got all their ideas about sex from movies. Sex, like that's, and, that's the only and marriage way they can approach and it. Yeah, just everything. It's so just the for just the easiest fruit to pick on the tree. It's just been done so many fucking times. And it's not even like sexy. Like I don't, no. I don't know how many of you like having stilettos right by your penis. Okay, but no. I was watching that scene more in fear <laughs> that like she was gonna slip and fall and stab it. Then I was like, oh, this is sexy. I mean, some, don't get me wrong. Some she people was are a into master. That. Some people are into that. I have met some people that are into that. But I would say the mass majority who are watching that probably are, are not. Yeah, that, that was the coolest thing that maybe happened in the whole fucking movie, though. Because she actually unbuttoned his pants and unzipped his zipper with her stiletto. She didn't just unbutton it. She ripped the button off his <laughs> She face. ripped the damn thing off. <laughs> The that entire was, like, stud popped off. <laughs> like, I don't know if it was... Se- it was kind of sexy, honestly. It was kind of sexy. I, it was tense sexy. Just just the, the confidence. <laughs> the confidence of the footwork that you have uh, somebody on the ground. And, I mean, imagine if she'd fumbled that. Like, yeah, she could have just stomped on his dick. She could have she been like, uh, um, so, sorry. Like, but she just like a pro she was like a pro doing something that i'd never even thought to do so bravo she must have practiced which is what i just don't get because if she's a woman that's never having sex like she just sitting there like with his jeans trying to unbutton it with her stiletto like when she's bored at home so you ashley you've never tried this listen i don't like to go into my past but (laughs) I I just is this what girls talk about when they get together? You know, this is also what girls do when we're together. I'm like, bring your stilettos and an extra pair of pants over. I got something special for hubby next week. (laughs) Want to get it just right? We're all gonna do this together, then come back and talk about how it went. And then, of course, there will be one person that's like, I slipped. (laughs) No, (laughs) it's so embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. That shit was cool. Um, but, okay, second s- scene between them. Yeah, she's taking a bath. Like, again, yeah, c- come in. I'm taking a bath with the door open. Come on in. And um, <laughs> just listening to s- songs about systemic racism and the, the horrors that they cause. Just vibing the fuck out. <laughs> Three mint juleps deep. Singing along. 
Like, did she sing that as part of her act? Because that's fucked. Anyway, <laughs> she, she, they, they have sex it, on the floor of the bathroom. Looks uncomfortable. We also barely time, get to see it. Yeah, yeah. Which is like that's the, we don't even get the fucking payoff. And also, no. was Cage? How long did they take? And also, was Cage in the like right in the next room the whole time? Was he asleep? Was he like drunk? Was in a stupor? Was he aware yeah. of what was going on? Because like, how how quickly could they have done that? I mean, he would have known something was up, right? It must have been fast. I mean, he they'd been they'd been edging all night. So <laughs> well, I, he I, he hasn't gotten off in six months. He says true, right? True, <laughs> true. They, so he probably honestly, popped in like, like one minute. He's like, I'm done. I can't handle this. There probably wasn't even a cut. I think she got out of the <laughs> bathtub. He just came and they just fell asleep he probably he was probably innocent honestly of when his <laughs> wife they probably didn't even bone she probably just looked at it and he was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> but i was trying to figure out how long would it take um i mean in nick cage's interpretation of putting cyanide over someone's mouth it takes about two seconds of puffing like uh, a right. big bad wolf to to die <laughs> so if that's the case, then that's probably about as long as it took them to have sex. There's another. <gasps> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. The, the same amount of huffs and puffs and then they're done. And exactly. I, I, I mean, we can we can get into this larger question of what was their plan, maybe, because like <clears throat> I it, it's not revealed until later that they are in on this together i get no okay let's let's build up to it actually so yeah, yeah. so the uh, so, okay so they fuck and or don't fuck and um do you think he was lying to kelsey Grammer when he told him the story do you think they do you think I, they didn't actually fuck and he just yeah. made, made it up to sit, made himself sound cooler kelsey Grammer, like, he, he's like he's like so so you had sex while the husband's in the next room and he, but he says, "Guess I've always had a taste for danger," which it does has he? <laughs> like, what has he even done? He looks like he, he looks like he's spent his whole life just in like a kindergarten or something. Like, he doesn't look like he he's ever done anything dangerous. Yet, fresh faced and whatever. Like, I don't know how old his character was supposed to be, but he just seemed both older than he should be to be that innocent and yet like really boyish. And also he, to Kelsey Grammer, he gives this weird explanation where he's like, it's like she has this hole in her that she needs to fill, but she can't fill it. And I kept waiting for the easy joke to be made about that. But that line is taken completely seriously. <laughs> they just like, oh yeah, that's why you had sex with her. Anyway, in the pillow talk, as they're laying on the cold bathroom floor naked with no blankets or anything. Um, he's like, Oh, by the way, like your husband wants me to kill you. And like she's so like, casual. He just throws it out so there. He's, casual. Like, he's like, man, this has been a crazy night. <laughs> <laughs> like and, we fucked. I was, I came in here to kill you. I didn't expect to put my dick in you, but like, yeah. look, look where we ended up. Like, people, wait, people keep telling me to, to kill people or to fuck them. And I just don't know which way the wind's blowing that <laughs> she's like, she's like, Oh, don't worry. I'll I'll take care of this. And she goes to him to Cage. And again, I'm not clear if he thought if Cage's character if he thought that he was like, "Hey, $20,000 if you kill my wife." And then he was expecting him to just be like, "Oh, okay. 
be back in five or or what because she comes in and he's like whoa she's still alive and she stabs him in the hand which was fun and he goes he goes ah you see that shit which is also fun um and and they tie him to the banister and uh downstairs and she really wants to fuck in front of him tied up um which they that must just be like a thing they're into. I, this is where I get a little confused. He, oh yeah, Cage is like, oh before you do that, like you should go look in what's at what's in the basement, and she doesn't want him to go into the basement, but they lock him up somewhere, right? Like he they, gets they locked throw up him somewhere, into, like, the garage or something like the garage. Okay. And wherever it is, it might as well be the basement because there's creepy voodoo dolls everywhere. This is another thing about her characters. We keep seeing her play with voodoo dolls. Um, and never like, is she supposed also. to be a no. witch? Or what yeah. is never explained, right? That's Also, that's cultural appropriation. Sorry. I was just going to say that at, at this moment in time where they're talking about how they've known each other for lifetimes and they're trying to screw, I literally for a second there was like, is this about to be vampires? Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Are we about to get into some like Southern Gothic vampire stuff? Yes. I got really excited, to be honest with you. Like, I, I really thought that's where we were heading. I feel like that's the kind of bonkers left exactly. turn that that they needed to take at that point in the movie. I Honestly. I I 100% agree. I I thought it there was going to be it some explain everything. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think vampire specifically, but I thought with the whole basement thing, I was like they're setting up some kind of ghost like story mm-hmm. there's some kind of supernatural element that's going to come into play here and if then they only. just like fumbled it and that was it that was the end that was just like oh no they're just regular regular they're monsters gross people <laughs> i wanted i wanted people to be like hooked up to like iv bags just draining their blood in the basements and them just being horny vampires because that's what vampires are like right they're they literally that's all the makings for a vampire movie and just doesn't do it yeah Big mistake. So they throw him into, she doesn't want him to go into the basement because there are teens locked up there. So what the movie has her do is (laughs) locks him up somewhere that looks like a basement, but I guess isn't, where there's a teen locked up. Right. Makes no. Keep all your teens in the basement. Don't separate your teens. What is she, what is she trying? It makes no fucking sense. Um, is she worried because the Girl Scouts are younger? It's like, oh, we can't know that we're also pedophiles. <laughs> um, it's fucking stupid. So he's he's in, locked somewhere else that is un- never told to us um, with a teenager who's like hooked up to an IV, not sure what's going on. There's voodoo dolls everywhere. Is this supernatural? Uh, that's our reveal. And then the second reveal of uh, she unties him or uncuffs him or whatever, and it's like they're working together. He's like, "Oh, did you have to stab me so hard? Not did you have to stab me? Period." But uh, I guess stabbing him in the hand was part of the whatever their plan is. But what what are they doing? Well, that's the did thing. They, is like, what was the plan? Like, was, the, was plan the plan for the two of them to abduct him, or was right. or or did he just get in the middle of it because he came to fix the fence and couldn't leave? Well, okay, be, my theory. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, please. I mean, my theory is, and I, I've really mulled over this for a while because I also was thrown off, but I think they were working together the entire time. And yeah, 
I think she's starting to wonder that maybe Nick's sperm is bad and that's why mm. she can't get pregnant. So she had kidnapped these other people, but she's like, maybe if I willingly have sex with someone, I can get pregnant. But then she's also like, I should just double down on my bets and we should also try to just kidnap him. We should do both. Right. I, I, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm going to point out a couple other things that I remain confusing to me. First of them being, okay, so they're, they're in on it the whole time, but the first scene we see with them together, n- there's no audience. It's just them and they're <laughs> bickering and saying the same kind of crazy shit to each other that they say th- throughout the whole movie. So I guess more the surprise to us when they like it's revealed that they're working together, but also like how much are they acting what what is real none of the the there's no actual like reveal of oh that was fake but this was real because the whole thing just is the same tone also what they end up doing with him is they maybe they put an iv to him too or something but somehow they he wakes up in his truck with the dead body of the teenager and it's revealed that that's why kelsey Grammer has him why the cops nab him is because he's in a truck with a dead body so was that the plan and stupidest plan (laughs) stupidest plan like how hey you know how we don't get caught is we blame someone else who has seen all of the secrets of our lives exactly we show him everything that's why i think the only thing that makes sense is that he it was like an accident that he was there and then they had to like uh, figure out how to like get get him out of the way without finding out too much or something because no one would make these choices unless they were like forced into making bad choices because like the plan has already gone south right like what when when did the twenty thousand dollars enter into it like what, how much of it like <laughs> I totally forgot about that what's, I forgot what's up literally with the, has the bag of cash thing where, where they're pretending to be pitted to get, like what is the plan I actually do think. Nick Cage maybe did want him to kill the wife. Like maybe he <laughs> yeah, was that like, might have been real. Yeah, actually, yeah, that, actually, that part was probably the most real. Where he's like, you know what? I'm actually very sick of this act that she's been like making me do for years. Like maybe this dude will just kill her for me and like problem that, solved. Well, that then makes some sense. Uh, and her reaction makes some sense too because okay, so this is what it, they're just the Lockhorns. They're just like they've just been bickering like forever, and the, it's like uh, she's always nagging on me to paint the house to mow the lawn to fuck her but and then to kidnap teenagers and fuck them and impregnate them like it's just never ends with her god i just want to kill her and she's like you wouldn't kill me i'm just as crazy as you are like damn we really are staying in our own lane and vibing together i love you baby i've known you forever never fucked anybody else except for a bunch of kids okay cool like yet so they're just this is i i I think maybe the twenty thousand dollars thing really was real but it's just that's he's probably offered that to other people who've got like stuck in their house. Maybe any of those other teens. He's like, hey, uh, I'm getting a little sick of this. I mean, he does peel out of there in his uh, Mustang like ASAP. Like so quick. ASAP. He's oh, yeah. He's so like quick. ready to leave her. So I, I do actually think the murder is real. No, he's like, bye, bitch. Yeah, he's like, Quit. you're on your own with this. <laughs> I do have a quick, a quick follow up question that literally it does not matter, but. Now I'm curious, was Nick Cage's character having sex with all the 
kidnapped girls or were they kidnapping boys and girls and then making them have sex with each other? I think I think the implication was that they were kidnapping them and then forcing them to have sex with each other. Oh. So that, okay. and, then, and then they would and then they would have the baby. They would take the babies what? and like raise them as their own. I think that was the <laughs> yeah. Because Nick two Cage second, doesn't fuck. Remember, yeah. like Nick Cage does not fuck. Right. Like, he will not even fuck these oh, young okay, girls. Okay. So that's why they've got the boys but, and the girls. But the thing I'm wondering <laughs> is. Is she Cage definitely isn't fucking anyone, <laughs> but is she fucking the boys. The teenage boys? Everyone. Also? She's actually fucking everyone. Right. She's just no, 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 no. Because she says that she's fantasized about young men, but she's never, she's never fucked them. Well, yeah, but she says that and to then, him when she's trying to seduce. Like, yeah, I, I don't true. believe that that's that true. is necessarily the truth yeah. when she says. Yeah, that that's to just him. a line she uses on every young boy that she. That gets shot, kidnaps, and fucks. Yeah, yeah. She, that's the line she uses, and the line Cage uses is, "Will you please kill my wife?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like we're playing this game again. Like this is the fifth time this year. This is like that. You marriage. know that? Uh, did you guys ever read that Raw Doll book, The Twits? <laughs> yeah, it's the Twits. Yeah, where it's where it's like the ugly no, couple no. like pranking each yeah. other for their whole lives. But in, like this, instead like- <laughs> of a bunch of animals that they have, it's uh, just a bunch of kidnapped children. I love to that the movie is teasing like what's in the basement what's what could it right. be there's something in the basement and then like intermittently it'll be like the radio's on and it's like there's a storm coming and by the way an ongoing story about teenagers being kidnapped maybe it's just like there was no suspense about what that was like I didn't expect them to be like trying to create a baby farm like that that was beyond what what i was expecting but like it's still like uh, duh <laughs> like the yeah. the fucking the is it chekhov's gun whose gun is it yeah i i wrote i wrote chekhov's locked room and chekhov's <laughs> yes. radio i was like everything is chekhov's in here like yeah. nothing yeah because it's too stupid it, of a movie to have anything that's not um expository like every single like there's too much plot of course and every element of the plot is expository it's just furthering the plot so like you know there you wouldn't you don't just get those things that are like thrown off bits of color you just get things that further the plot even if it's something like just you know his wife is a bitch that's because she is <laughs> she won't fuck him so it adds suspense to the thing and he has a baby and that adds suspense it's everything is functional so yeah, yeah it's my, funny to just get like a there's no radio except except just being like and in radio news teenagers are disappearing. <laughs> by the way, you also never hear about the girl scouts disappearing. So like that was a little surprise for me. Yeah. yeah. But here's my other thing that I I think I'm just trying to give these characters way more of a backstory than they deserve. Do you think they've been doing this for years or is this like a new thing they just started this year where they're like you know what we've been married for like over 20 years but like let's start kidnapping kids and like take their babies or do you think this has been happening i just don't know like is this a new fetish or is this just been well so she's been in that house for that's like her family home um and the radio says four teenagers have been kidnapped so i think it's new like you said it never mentions the girl scouts which seems like that would 
truly be alarming. That might have been another thing that they, oh, we don't have money for that. Shoot. Definitely. Like maybe you, they were going to show the Girl Scouts getting like rescued. Yeah. From the house I think 100%. Or Definitely. Because, which yeah. would have been, I mean, it's still icky, but like if they had shown, you know, that they were freshly kidnapped like that morning or something and nothing bad had been happened because the Girl Scouts in question are like, those actresses are probably like what? 12 7 8, eight uh, yeah i don't they're really, really yeah they're young. like yeah. prepubescent so um the way that it's revealed at the end without and they didn't even need to do that honestly like <laughs> i know um, i know the, the 14s were enough you don't need to also have the yeah two. like Jesus, they, the they could have just scouts. left the the creepy girl scouts at the beginning as like a way for us to immediately yeah. distrust this woman and then that would have yeah. been fine they didn't have to put the button on it at the end it 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 brought it, it it was already like really scummy territory but it brought yeah. it like down a whole nother peg to just something just it was they didn't need yeah, to it made, it made it was me just mad, unnecessary honestly like it, yeah. it's just yeah they, it doesn't add anything and it, it's just because i guess they ran out of money and couldn't shoot <laughs> maybe the the scene that they were building up to the whole damn time like uh, then yeah, we we just get like a, a a like a newspaper clipping and like and flashback audio of like her being like, oh, aren't you beautiful, Girl Scouts? And it's like the Girl Scouts were kidnapped but saved. It's just like ew, gross. Wait, can we get back to that scene though? Where? Oh wait, no, 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 we're not there yet. Never mind. Keep wait, going. Well, I'm jump. I'm jumping the gun. Well, so literally. Uh, so what before oh i i do want to point out before they plant buddy in the truck everything's going bonkers in the attic um for again i don't remember i think he's gonna kill buddy or something something's fucked up and one of the silliest like deus ex machina things that i've seen in a minute (laughs) happens where the storm blows out the stained glass window but not in a way that like it doesn't blow out the whole window it like (laughs) Close out a, just a triangle of glass and it shoots into Nick Cage's back <laughs> and stops him from, I don't know, sh- shooting him or whatever he was going to do. Uh, that was very silly. I mean, just to just to move it on, we please the the cop, he's still getting interrogated. And then somehow the, the smart woman cop is like, you know what? You know, like this story actually kind of makes sense. Remember those four missing teens? Well, there was something about he. He, he he had mentioned he had mentioned that there was like the I think the teenager was holding a piece of fabric with Japanese writing on it and then yes. there's one of the teenagers it's revealed had a red dress that had Japanese writing on it and then so now they didn't they didn't believe him for seemingly no reason like he's like hey I was just at the house with these creepy people like you should check that out like and th- he's just like we don't, that's not what we do in Grand Isle. Like, son, you're going to get the chair or whatever. And then she's like, hey. We don't have lawyers and we don't do police. <laughs> yeah, work. yeah. You dying. <laughs> I, I ain't leaving this office today. And then the, uh, the female officer is like, hey, here's one single clue. And he's like, my God. <laughs> and they go to the house. When, and Cage and uh, Fancy don't seem to have any plan. Like this was actually <laughs> they just so, let him in. He's so like, "Oh, come funny. on in, officer." I figured that they had the, some sort of plan because they're like, "Come on in." Like, do you want some mint juleps? Like, hey, is it, welcome to our home. And and they're like, 
hey, we heard there's a creepy basement here. We're going to check it out. And he like opens the basement and Cage is like, the jig is up. <laughs> well, the best part about this is my favorite, maybe my favorite line in the movie is, well, first of all, the cops are just stupid. The woman cop is also watching them. And then it's like, you know what? I want to go into the basement too. Like, I'm curious. So like you solo cop, watch these two people that are probably murderers. Yeah. And the cop, uh, Nick Cage turns to the cop and he goes, so my cat is stuck up in that tree. Will you go shoot him down for me? And he's like, what? He goes, my cat is stuck in the tree. Will you go shoot it down for me? And then like the police officer looks around and then Kate just like takes off running and like bolts out. And like that is his exit that strategy. Was tight, that was honestly. <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense. Like why would you, like, why would you shoot down your cat? Like part of me is like, I none of this makes sense, and you're just showing you're a murderer, right? Yeah, now. yeah. he d- he had that. He didn't have any plan, and that was the best he could do in that moment. <laughs> he gets away. We don't know what happens to Fancy. We never find. They say that she gets put in like a a lockdown, like a secure lockdown mental, mental facility. Oh yeah, yeah. mental facility. Um, good, I guess, uh, and. Um, buddy, he, buddy's wife leaves him cause she's a fucking bitch and, um, <laughs> takes off and we get Frigid one bitch. shot of him drinking a lot, just drink, drinking a handle of something. And, uh, then he's at like a diner just chilling the next day and, or whenever sometime in the future. And Cage shows up looking like Captain Corelli's mandolin with his <laughs> wife, as a, a hostage did anyone else not care about this like i i had no care that like i was like i don't know killer whatever yeah, well and also i was just like wait the movie's still happening she yeah i know well that's how I, this i feel like is the ultimate twist reveal of the whole movie more so than any of the other ones because they really the movie was over they did not have to go there they didn't have to do it i don't know why they did it i don't know why there was the final button on the movie like that it's like the movie was over they could have just ended it it was already five movies they didn't need to be six movies like with an I extra stinger been, yeah i think it would have been creepier knowing that like nick cage is on the lamb somewhere like right. this ex-military psychopath is still on the loose he's just unhinged. he does not need to come back just to be like you know, I told this man in my attic how messed up the military is, but I need to tell more people. So I'm going to tell all these cops and this woman with this baby and everyone enjoying their their Frisco melt in there. Yeah, there's just... What's happening with the military right now? <laughs> he goes off. He just goes off on it, which, which makes me think that this must be some kind of topic that's near and dear to the writer's heart or something, because I don't know why you would shoehorn this in there. Unless it's some kind of explanation for why Nick Cage was like so fucked up and easily manipulated, maybe. But but he's like like at the end, are we supposed to think that he's not a bad guy? I think they're trying to humanize him, but they fail. They fail humanizing him so bad. Yeah, it's it's yeah. The, it's the same speech again. And yeah, you're right. Like it's weird. It's <clears throat> uh, it's weird after being in that house that whole time too, just to even be in a new place, just for like just a scene. I that sounds arbitrary but it really is it's like oh pretty much the whole movie is just at night in a house and then just getting that scene was and then it being like and now the movie is over and by the way 
they were kidnapping and raping children. <laughs> it's like okay, oh. just a voice. I mean, that's definitely where all the money was supposed to go and didn't. And instead, so they're like, "Ooh, voiceover, voiceover, what happened in the basement?" So, and th- th- this must be why nobody um, promoted this film anywhere. Like, I Stephen Campanelli can't have been happy with it. I'm sure nobody was happy with it. Um, clearly, the critics weren't happy with it. Um, yeah, I. It's I, only I really the second Cage film since Deadfall to get a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow! And I loved Deadfall. We love it. Like, I oh. would watch Deadfall again. Deadfall is one of my favorites. We here at Heat yeah. Seeking Panther are enormous Deadfall fans. Yeah, like, it's amazing. So. <laughs> like that one. Like this one, I will never watch again. No, never. like I don't need to put it on. I mean, if someone else was like, "Do you want to watch Grand Isle again?" I'd be like, "Yeah." I'd say no. Like, yes, but can we just like cut all the sexy scenes? <laughs> I think instead of getting roped into watching it again, I would just convince them that they don't need to see it. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> convince them to watch Deadfall instead. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd say here's twenty other better Nick Cage movies that I'd rather watch. Um, I just want to say at the very end, actually, and I, I really only know this because I'm not going to lie. I read the Wikipedia plot after I watched this movie to see if I had missed anything. Fair. That's fair. Good. Because I really wasn't sure. And it says that at the end, after the voiceover, we see Buddy's house has been ransacked. And then there's the voiceover saying, you know, you never really know who your neighbors are. So my question is, was it ransacked? by Nick Cage or was his house just randomly ransacked by someone else and that's what the whole neighbor thing is about <laughs> because I think I think they were setting it up I don't, for a sequel no I don't know like, but I was like the neighbor thing doesn't make sense for the rest of the movie but I guess it does to his house getting randomly ransacked I guess yeah I mean it doesn't make sense even from the of like you think you know your neighbors like I don't know maybe this is just because I live in LA but no I don't <laughs> and like yeah, it may, maybe you don't know them and you can't trust them. Like, so is, yeah, is the message of this movie just that some people are fucked up and bad? It, I think it really <laughs> it just kind of is to the extent that anybody thought about it. Uh, what are the writers' names? I'm, Ivar William Jala and Rich Ronat. <laughs> are those real names? Yeah, it's actually Nicolas Cage is two aliases. Right, I, I honestly <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if these were like made up names. <laughs> Ivor William. I did John. read also on IMDb that Nick Cage improvised most of his lines. So I'm like, did he improvise that whole ending? Like, is he the one that wanted to give that speech at the end? Because he's like, oh. no, no, we got to come back for this last speech. I don't think I, I don't think I sold it well enough in the attic. Like, I'm surprised. I think I can do it better in front of an audience, but I could be wrong. We, Maybe they're like, just run with it. We've seen that a lot recently where he's like supposedly improvised a lot of his lines and sometimes you can really tell, but I, I couldn't in this one just cause everything felt so like basic. But I also what seems to happen a lot is that he will do a lot of wild shit and then people will just use w- the more boring stuff because it keeps the plot going in a way that they envisioned and not some insane thing. But this movie could have used all the they should have chose every insane line reading from everybody because this movie <laughs> needed juice badly i mean the best part about this movie on top of you know the mild minor things we've talked about and i wish i'd cut together a compilation of is all the time that nicholas cage laughs because it's always just a ha ha and he's like ha ha or like a mm. <laughs> and I'm like, what are these laughs in this movie? That's true. Like, he does not know how to do a ha ha. <laughs> it happens like four times out the movie. They're each a little bit different, but they're all the same. Like, 
Ha ha. <laughs> That's a really good point. I, I bet that there was thinking behind that on his part because he can do a better fake laugh than that, but that uh, it always felt really affected. I'm sure he thought about it. Well, he must have. And I think that, that they were all just slightly different enough that it fit the, the vibe for that scene. But best part of the movie for me are the laughs. Uh-huh. Not from me, but from Nick Cage. Right. <laughs> I mean, there there was some, it was funny sometimes. This movie wasn't a comedy, but it was funny sometimes. I think it it right? definitely it definitely delivered a couple at least like good moments. I'm trying to think like when I would cut the movie. Like when would I want it to end? So like, uh, I really don't need that reveal, and I don't need that last speech. So right. like, I guess when he's talking to Nick Cage and and. Uh, I keep reading her name. Sorry. Frenchie? Fancy. The wife, Fancy. Fancy. And, uh, <laughs> Nick Cage and Fancy, because I don't remember Nick Cage's character name. So, but like, just cut it like, you know, when he's running out of their house and doesn't know what's in the basement and didn't meet that guy in whatever room he got locked up in. Right. Yeah. Done. Right. I, I would like to, you could probably cut this down into like a 10 minutes of, I mean, because the plot is so stock that like you could really arrange, you could take, most of it out and keep what's in and keep it pretty vague and everybody is going to know what's going on anyway just give me like the craziest moments yeah that it could be a short film that i would say was actually like really good the the camera work is fine um it's not it doesn't look terrible but i you know this guy knows his way around a camera there was no cool like steady cam shots in it which is I, you know, you would think that he could just have that in the bag, but that's probably cost money that he didn't have any, it could have been shittier and cooler and shittier and had more style. And, um, it looked like it looked professional enough to be believable as a film that is made by people who have professionally made films. There was just not a lot of style to it. Like, honestly, like save some money on a lot of stuff and just, give us a complete story (laughs) at least finish the movie please finish the movie movie. which okay i believe i believe i read that it cost five million to make whoa um do you guys want to guess how much it made it was it was only uh it's like streaming right it never no it, it it was 15 screens in the u.s it opened really yeah okay uh, I'm going to say it made like $10,000, let's say. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say 3000 I mean, kind of split the difference. It's $5,566. That's it? Yeah, Jesus oh, Christ. And then I think God. maybe a little bit more later, but I, I also think I read somewhere that it made most of its money in like Russia. Oh, okay. Huh. Which honestly, I can't find that right now. I was looking it up on my phone. Um but I mean, yeah, I think it I think it played best in like Russia and then it made like a thousand bucks on like DVD sales. Maybe I, I think that's the grift with movies like this. Like we've been seeing it. It's like um, that you, you just make a movie with an actor like Nick Cage in it and then you sell it in a foreign territory that like they are not as clued into Hollywood. Like what is like, you know, for for all you know, if you're in Russia, this is just an indie movie. Because it is. Yeah. It is an indie movie, but it's not a Sundance indie movie. It's just bad. Um, <laughs> it, and like, so I, I think like it, this shows up in your Russian equivalent of like Redbox or streaming program or whatever. 
as one of the like five options that you have right then. And, you know, I think that's like the whole game with stuff like this, which it's, it's really like mind boggling thinking about how many of those movies are being made all the time. Because we're only like keyed into Cage's career, but so many actors like Bruce Willis, I feel like does it. Like there's there's a yes. bunch of actors, even who, like mm-hmm. De Niro and Pacino and any of those guys. Guy Pierce, we saw like the <laughs> oh yeah, and, and it's funny because you know in the eighties and uh, even in the nineties when there was like an indie film boom, like it was still really expensive to make a movie and to do, I mean, just the film cost of film alone was prohibitive unless you're like Robert Rodriguez and you get really creative and are also really good at what you do. And, and so, but now you can make a movie that gets, uh, and you can shoot it on an iPhone. You can shoot it on an iPhone and still get like a worldwide distribution. And so Mm -hmm. like, I think there's a huge market glut of these movies that have like, people with like a name recognition enough to like, you know, Oh, it's Michael Madsen or whatever. He's in reservoir dogs that, you know, okay, I'll, I'll maybe watch that movie. Like there's just so many of them. And I mean, this was the point in Cage's career, honestly, that I was the most excited to get to just to kind of like get a sense of what this world of filmmaking is. And it is, I mean, the movies are on the most, part like pretty punishing but it is like it is it's weird and very like of this moment i feel now that streaming is so acceptable and everybody can make a movie on the cheap and you're right and i'll watch pretty much anything so here i am watching watching this (laughs) (laughs) there's my review i'll watch anything and here i am i know and like so many of these movies too we don't even as cage aficionados if we weren't doing this podcast we would not even know they existed i mean actually you said you had no idea this movie existed right never even heard of it and literally everyone i brought it up to had no idea what i was talking to (laughs) i did not meet a single person i even like asked like pretty much all my co-workers no one knew this movie it came out last (laughs) year it came out around Primal, right? Which, like, yeah. yeah, a bunch of us were talking about Primal when it came yeah, out. But yeah, like, Primal somehow, like, broke through. It, uh, people knew that Cage made that movie. I know, No one saw it, but, like... Um, I saw it. <laughs> it was it was pretty good. It I was better it. than this. <laughs> true. Very true. It, I would not give Primal zero stars. I don't know how stars. high the Grand Isle bar is, but okay. <laughs> I, I'd give Primal, like, 10 or 15 stars at least. Okay, fair enough. So, what what else do we have to say about this piece of shit? Um, I, uh, I've got a couple things here and there. Oh, yeah. One thing I noticed, the soundtrack does most of the heavy lifting. Even scenes that aren't supposed to be, like, scary, there's something about the soundtrack has, like, a weird kind of, like, John Carpenter, like, horror movie-type mood thing going throughout the whole thing that is really sometimes at odds with, like, what's playing on screen. And also, like, makes a scene that would otherwise be kind of blah or just, like, flat into something that's, like, really menacing somehow. And Mm -hmm. I noticed that it's just pretty much the soundtrack is just constant, like, the whole time. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, very easy (laughs) way to do it. I think mainly, yeah, my other last night was just um, all the punches at the end were so fake. It was, like, painfully fake. 
like the most pathetic, like first time stunt person fake punches I've ever seen in my life. In the in the in the last scene between between Cage and the, uh, or I cops. guess it was, uh, was he punching cops? There was just a, I think no, it was when Buddy and him were like they got into like a little bit of punching. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, in the house, a little bit of punch play, we could say, <laughs> uh, because that's what it was. It was so insanely fake because that's how we got all bloodied up, right? Right. Yeah. I kind of like forgot like, he was bloody the whole movie buddy. And I was like, why is he bloody? Right. Why didn't the cop like let him wipe, wipe up? He's literally just dripping blood on the floor. He has open wounds. He's getting interrogated with open wounds and like the <laughs> cops not helping him at all. That's how they do <laughs> it. Again, in it's Grand 1850. Isle. Yeah. Yeah. In Grand Island in the 1850s. That's how we do. But we just, well, we just let you bleed out down here in Grand Isle. <laughs> no cops, no lawyers and no medical professionals. <laughs> I noted that I was looking up Katie Strickland's uh, career, and uh, she's mostly been in TV, but her top uh, listing in IMDb is Anaconda's The Hunt for the Blood Orchid, just a sequel I didn't know existed. <laughs> oh, I've seen that one. Oh, how is oh, it? Really? <laughs> uh, stick with just Anaconda. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, it's. I think that one... Oh, is that the sequel no. to Anaconda or is there like more? Is there like, I a, think it's the third one. Oh, okay. Is it, is it Anaconda and then Anacondas? Yes. It's Anaconda, Anacondas, and then Anaconda search for the blood orchid. Interesting. <laughs> Which I actually recently rewatched Anaconda and Anacondas. <laughs> Dude, the first one holds up actually. What, yeah. One of my it's favorite great. John Voight roles. Yeah. Perfect. One of my favorite one, Owen Wilson. Oh yeah. Is that his <laughs> right. Wait, is Owen Wilson the one that gets swallowed whole? Yeah, yeah, that you yeah. see on like the side of the snake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Miles, what if we did a, a John Voight podcast? I can't. I'm sorry, Dave. You're you're on your own with that one. <laughs> yeah, Dave, I'll join you. I'll join you it, on that road. <laughs> I mean, just like you get like Midnight Cowboy, and then I'm sure there's some other good stuff, but oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there, there'd be some overlap with National Treasure, for sure. It, that's true. Have you ever seen Zandali? No. Okay. That's the Nick you Cage watch Southern Gothic movie that everyone should watch instead of this movie. Um, that That's one of my favorites. All right, I'm looking it up. I'm adding it to a list right now. Yeah, I, I 100%. If you want, like, a really horny Southern Gothic Cage movie, that's the one. That's oh. actually the one. Judge Reinhold. Does he have a landing strip in this movie? Just <laughs> he might. Uh, he's a painter in that. Uh, he's a tortured painter. And um, it's, it, man, it is juicy. Like similar the, long ooh, hair with weird face or like long shoulder length hair with weird facial goatee or something. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. My husband's going to hate when I make him watch this with me. <laughs> yeah. If this was like Tennessee Williams with a head injury, that movie's like Tennessee Williams, but he is, he like did ecstasy for the first time. <laughs> it is on my list. Great. It will be watched. What else do we have to say? Is that that's the end of my notes? Yeah, I I believe that's the end of my notes. To be honest, yeah, I'm done. I'm tapped out. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this movie. <laughs> Never to revisit again. Hopefully no. not. Not unless no. a friend tries to convince me to watch Pig, but then 
accidentally puts this one on. <laughs> well, no, hey, Miles, do you want to come over this week and like maybe yeah, watch sure, whatever, or whatever. some like or some Nick Cage movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> ah, no, no. <laughs> What's next on on our list? Is it a uh, is it jujitsu? Uh, I'm I'm actually not sure, but I was thinking before, Dave, we briefly talked about this, but before we come out of 2019, uh, do you want to do the Cotton Club re-edit? Ooh, that yeah, Coppola you want to do that out? next? Okay, because he released it in 20, at some point in 2019. I don't know what kind of release it got, but I bought the DVD for like six bucks in a bargain bin. So let's I'm do it. Let's, watch it. let's do it. Cool. Ooh, I had this, uh, this is my last thing for this movie. Um, I, there was a, a, a review of it in Variety, and I like this, uh, <laughs> this little hatchet job here. It said, the movie leans heavily on stock notions of deep dyed's deep south atmosphere, yet the Franklin's house looks like it was painted last month, then decorated last week in a boutique style somewhere between an upscale Airbnb selling old school southern charm and an episode of the Red Shoe Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Like I said, this movie didn't know what time it was in, and it didn't know what vibe it had. It had no idea what it was. No, it didn't. And they knew it was campy, but it could not rise to the occasion. Maybe, if only, I just feel like it's like, maybe that last 10 minutes or whatever that they weren't able to film would have really sold it. Maybe they would have brought it home. Uh, I guess we'll never know. I'm not gonna put money on that. Luckily, I'm not we'll put never twenty thousand dollars on that. No, you know we don't know, but I'd say let's just consider this one of the great like lost films of history, and like just by default. Yeah, it, I'll put like, it right up there with uh, Jodorowsky's Dune as the yeah, greatest yeah, exactly. made movie ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Someday someone's gonna give it that uh, like Orson Welles treatment and like find the or, or or I don't know maybe they'll like reshoot it and. Uh, I don't even know. I I can't even joke about it. Don't do that. This movie sucks. Um, <laughs> all right. Ashley, thank you for being here. Uh, thanks for having me on again to watch yet another Nick Cage movie I had not seen. Yeah, and uh, thanks for... I, I uh, love your... Um the tableau you set up for us with with all of with your shrine going on on the walls yes. right here this is phenomenal stuff um, thank you i know it's a, it's annoying to des- describe something in an audio medium but uh i i do just want to paint a quick picture for our guests that you're sitting in is it like a it's a it's an office basically like uh, i mean space? honestly it's my it's a it's my living room it's the corner of my there living you go room. <laughs> it's the corner of your living room but you've got uh multiple portraits of cage painted in his various roles over the years hanging uh above you and around you uh it's truly beautiful and uh h- how many pieces is your collection up to now do you know Ooh, one two three four five six Seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten plus, I don't know if you're counting it or not, but I got that Cheddar Goblin box that yeah. is also a puzzle. Oh, sure. Should we count that? Yeah, let's count yes. it. It's, it's yet to go up on the wall, so we're going to say 11 for right now. That's that's amazing. And where do you buy Where do you buy these? Uh, are they made, are they commissioned for you, or do you find them in the wild? <laughs> it's, it's a mix of both. Uh, a lot of friends painted me things or made me random Nick Cage associated paraphernalia. Some of it I find online. Most of it's People send me links saying you need to buy this or they'll just mail it to me. Like the cheddar <laughs> goblin thing. I just got it in the mail one day. That's great. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> Always accepting more Nick Cage weird stuff for the wall. 
It's beautiful. It is. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you have Do you have no. anything you want to plug before we uh, peace out? No, I do nothing. I'm making rugs now, so I guess if anyone wants a rug, tight. Yes, that's cool. <laughs> so you heard it here. Start, first. Started tufting. So you heard it here first. We'll tuft you a rug. <laughs> I think last time we asked you to do a panther roar. So this time, um, will you do a panther roar? But the panther, what's like a southern panther? Do they have they have panthers down there, right? Yeah, cougars, right? Cougar. Yeah, there you go. That's just a. That's just a. Yeah. Yeah. What a cougar roar, please. (laughs) All right, hold on. I gotta try to get. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> How do you roar with a southern accent? You did it somehow.